Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. Before we get started, I wanted to tell you that I literally just created a new co-ed workshop and I'm excited to tell you about it before we start the show. It is called Unleash Your Sexy Confidence, where you are going to learn the art of attraction and chemistry. I mean, who doesn't want to learn that? But you are about to hear me coach a live coaching session with a guy here who has fear around creating attraction, especially on an emotional level, when he meets someone he's attracted to. So if you are tired of feeling stuck in your dating life, struggling to create chemistry and attraction on dates, and wish you had more sexy confidence, then definitely check out this workshop coming up. It is going to be, well, hot. (laughs) Just go to StopHatingDating.com and register now because I have a feeling spots are going to go fast. Okay, enjoy the show. It is an eye opener. Do you ever wonder how to create more meaningful connections with someone special when you first meet where it progresses into something deeper? I mean, you might hear how to be vulnerable in relationships, but do you know how much you share on a date? This is something that a lot of people ask me about. Like, what does it really mean to be vulnerable when dating? It's such a big buzzword these days. And it's not like you're going to go, you know, on a first date and talk about your childhood wounds or toxic relationships. It's never a good idea when you are first getting to know someone. If you're interested in having a more emotional connection with someone long term, it's crucial to get a handle on how you allow emotional attraction to occur in the initial stage of meeting someone. Physical attraction, let's face it, that happens instantly, right? It's an impulsive kind of quick thing that happens. And it's generally like an instant spark that you feel with someone. It's fast. You can't wait to get closer to that person. And it doesn't necessarily, though, lead to a lasting relationship. Often they don't. I call them tornado interactions where you get swooped up in the storm and in the funnel until it's done. And then you might be left on the ground with remnants all around you. And then you're left with, oh my God, what just happened to me? (laughs) Emotional attraction takes effort and it takes time, like all good things in life. But to build a strong, connected relationship, it's important to move beyond the physical and learn to be more open and letting the opposite sex really feel you. And this is a big conundrum for a lot of people, especially if you grew up in a home where emotions weren't expressed and you're not quite sure what that looks like or feels like. And if you've had relationships that have been dead ends, tornadoes, or emotionally unavailable, then you have to ask yourself, how emotionally expressive and available are you? That's the biggest question. So in order to help you combat this dynamic, it's important to know where it comes from so that you go about dating and relationships differently. I always say, like, if you want to change your patterns, you want to change your story, you have to go to the beginning of the story and flip the script here. Okay, so here's a couple of reasons. And by the way, there are a lot more. I just wanted to highlight, I would say, the top three reasons why you may be attracted to emotionally unavailable partners and confuse the chemistry piece. 
All right. The first thing is, is you might find an emotionally unavailable partner attractive. Now this, I mean, there's various reasons for this, but the science of attachment attraction says if you are a little bit anxious, you also believe that your partner doesn't want as much closeness as you want. So we are often unaware that the partners we are obsessed with are the ones that reinforce our deepest insecurities. It's crazy how that works. And studies on the science of adult attachment shows that our beliefs about love attract specific partners. This is why it's kind of cool to think about how we have the power to, you know, control that and also create something different. People who fiercely guard their independence are attracted to partners who invade it. And people who desire extreme closeness are attracted to people who are scared of intimacy. So like the very thing that you want, you're also scared of. And that's why you attract the alike. All right. That's the first, I would say, major reason. The second is you find healthy lovers to be missing a spark. (laughs) Does this sound familiar? Like, you say like you're one of the lucky ones and you meet someone secure. Do you realize you've just won the dating lotto or are you just not feeling it? Do they seem boring to you? I hear this all the time. Oh, they're so boring. They're so vanilla. I just don't feel the spark. When you meet a secure lover, the messages you receive are honest, straightforward, and consistent. Due to the belief that they are worthy of love, secure people are not afraid of intimacy and they don't beat around the bush or play hard to get. Ambiguous messages and other behaviors that cause uncertainty and tension and suspense in a relationship don't exist. So because of that, you you feel rather calm around them and you might misinterpret that calmness as boring. Because your life experiences have taught you that calm attachment system is boring, not normal. This fallacy causes you to pass up perfect partners because there isn't anxiety. So you assume there isn't chemistry and you basically are confusing anxiety with chemistry. I know that kind of sounds like crazy and silly, but really think about that for yourself. All right. The final reason is that you mistake the person's lack of effort for spontaneity. So basically you are accepting the crumbs and confusing it with what should be the cake. And you might be so anxious to get a relationship and want to get going with someone. That's a great catch that you accept the crumbs they offer. And then the spontaneous drop by on the weekend or a ping that you get on a text, a rare date and the weekend night that isn't planned or late night calls with a strong desire to see you suddenly. And They may say, I'm not a planner or I'm really busy and I don't have time. But the truth is, they simply don't respect you enough to treat you the way that you deserve. And again, you confuse that like intermittent reinforcement as spontaneity and exciting. Okay, so with that being said, with me today on the line is a gentleman who is having some struggles around progressing in relationships. He kind of has the first part down and he's able to talk to women and tends to attract successful women. But yet on the flip side, they're kind of guarded just like him. And because he and these women are so alike in the in the way of being kind of reserved with their feelings, it's hard for him to deepen an emotional connection with them. So I'm hoping we can kind of crack the code here and help him 
express more so that he attracts something different. Welcome, Corbin. Are you there? I am. Thank you for that uh, introduction. <laughs> <laughs> so did some things hit home for you as I was reading that? Yeah, actually, um, the whole keeping calm thing, actually, I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a little bit like me. Um, <laughs> well, being afraid, boring, yeah. and then realize like, oh, I'm being anxious. Uh, yeah, no, and it's so common. That's why I was so happy that you volunteered to come on. And I, I really enjoyed our first conversation. We only got to know each other, you know, for a little bit. Um, but I'd love for you to just share with everyone a little more about your journey and some of the dynamics that keep happening with dating and progressing on dates. Yeah. Um, kind of like what we discussed last time. Um, I, like you said, I don't have a problem talking to people, I, but I do have a an issue with eye contact and, and really just being more engaging or flirting, uh, flirty with people that I actually am attracted to, uh, not a problem for me, um, when I'm not attracted to them, but I also talk to people all day, uh, every day I, you know, I teach ballroom dancing and, um, so I, I have to be kind of the host, so to speak at my job. And, uh, so that's no problem. But then when I'm, you know, switching gears and I'm go to my personal life, um, yeah, I um, have a tough time going out socializing. And then when I do, I I don't I realize I'm not using a lot of the the materials that I know that I can use at work. Um, and especially when I'm dealing with people that I'm uh, attracted to. So, for example, um, you know, I have a friend of mine that we've known for each other for a long time and we just never really been on the same page. But uh, that's a primary example of when we do hang out. Sometimes I get a little, if it's just her and I, I get a little nervous because I am attracted to her and she knows that too. But uh, yeah, I, I just don't act this, like I don't act calm. Like kind of <laughs> like we, uh, you were talking about earlier. So yeah. <laughs> well, that's another example. And yeah, and then when we do have conversations, I realize I don't, I don't make very good eye contact, but beyond that, um, as far as other relationships that I've had in the past with with women that are kind of in her position, because we're both uh, independent um, instructors, business owners. Uh, like, for example, my last relationship, um, I feel like that got to a point in the relationship because it was about a year long relationship. Um, it got to a point in the relationship where um, I started doing a lot of the things that I do with uh, this other person that I'm uh, attracted to because it just started and then it kind of started domino affecting. And I realized, you know, in hindsight, she had a lot going on. And I did give her her space, but I gave her too much space, I presume, um, because mm -hmm. I am a you know guarded person too. So uh, the more that things start happening in a relationship that don't feel good, I I kind of start getting reserved and not as open. Which that was the last thing that we talked about too is um, when I'm meeting new people, um, I have a tough time, especially more successful women that I'm attracted to. I um, I don't open up as much. Um, and that's kind of one of my big issues, I think, is knowing when to open up and how much. Ah, uh, okay. Thank you for sharing that. By the way, after women listen to this podcast, you might be getting a lot of requests for dates. I'm just saying you have the, be <laughs> the best voice, right, ladies? <laughs> so, um, yeah, like, well, I want to dive in a little bit more about the, the whole like hardship you have around opening up. What is hard for you about that? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I'm sure I've analyzed it at some point or another, um, <laughs> uh, as far as I think it's just, I mean, big part of me, like the feelings that I have about it is I just get really nervous and I, 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 
I partly feel like I, I'm just afraid of what they might think when I do yeah. open up, possibly, um, maybe revealing too much, uh, or, um, like I said, playing, I, I kind of have this idea in my head too, where, cause it kind of has played off that way a lot is if the more that I'm more reserved, it seems the more attracted they are. And so I, I partly maybe do that because subconsciously I, I, I know that if I play coy, they'll be even more interested. So it could be a number of different things. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't had a chance to really analyze that a lot. Well, good thing you're here on the charisma quotient so we can analyze that. So let's, let's peel back the layers there. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I wonder, and I don't know if you've thought about this, like, do you know where that comes from? Just a little bit like kind of that anxiety or nerves you have around opening up. Like, how did you grow up? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, perfect segue. Yeah, um, yeah. So, like <laughs> my parents, um, and I'm 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 a country boy from Oklahoma, so to speak. Um, yeah, I mean, I I grew up out in the middle of nowhere, Newcastle, Oklahoma. But I, uh, yeah, my parents um, were very. Well, they're business oriented too, so they're they're independent business owners. Um, and during that time span of me um, growing up, from you know being a toddler to I guess middle school age, they were busy trying to get their business going and um, making ends meet. I do remember a few times where, you know, we um, couldn't afford anything other than oatmeal in the morning. I got really tired of oatmeal, so I like to tell you that. <laughs> uh, so, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, so it's one of those things where, uh, yeah, my, my parents were very closed off because they were focused on that likely. Uh, also, I was kind of the black sheep family. I was definitely the more artistic one of the family where everyone else is more sports orientated because I do have a half sister, too. And she's very much, you know, basketball, cheerleading, things like that. My brother, he did all the sports. I tried to get involved. I just never really took my interest except for golf. That was really the only one. Um, so. As you can imagine, my parents didn't really know how to deal with someone because my dad was the same way. You know, he was very sports orientated. My mom, she grew up in a, a very rough um, Hispanic family where it was just they grew up on a farm. Mm. And um, um, her dad um, was an is an alcoholic, was an alcoholic. He's he's uh, passed now. Uh, but he was. Yeah, he he was really rough on those kids. Um, so I don't think that he was much of a father figure. So easy. You can imagine my mom um, was probably really reserved too. So that transferred onto me. Um, and as one example uh, that I told you like the other day is um, I got in trouble because um, I revealed that, you know, and I was really little, I think I was probably fourth, fifth grade. Mm -hmm. And um, I was with a, actually a friend of mine too. Um, we were going to rent movies. And I remember my mom tell, asking me, you know, like, you know, like we're only going to rent a couple of movies because we're really tight on funds. And, um, and uh, when we were asked at the, uh, and this is the old VHS cassette uh, dollar rental <laughs> uh, stores. Um, we all, we some of us remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We couldn't, we couldn't rent more than a couple of movies because we couldn't afford more than just a couple of movies. Um, and when the lady at the front desk asked, cause she knew us pretty well and she always knew that we would take the deals like we're renting, I don't know, five movies for three bucks or something like that. And, um, you know, I says like, oh, we can't do that because, uh, you know, we're tied on funds. And mm. holy crap, my mom flipped uh, flipped out on me um, when we got back to the house. Um, yeah. And and actually <laughs> gave me uh, gave me an ass whooping for just actually revealing that. So I I immediately kind of got that ingrained. And that's just one example of many. Uh, my dad was very much the same way. So 
where I couldn't be honest because I felt like I was going to be in trouble. Uh, and I realized that with now that I'm saying that out loud with past relationships where I've had some early relationships with uh, with women that I wasn't completely honest with because I was afraid to be honest. So I think that's where a lot of that stems from. Um, that being said, my parents are completely different people now. Um, but, you know, it's still there. You know, I grew up with that that mentality of, you know, just being careful about not revealing too much um, and, you know, and, and just keep my head down um, and just do the work, so to speak. Yeah. Gosh. Well, and it is like, to your point, it's just, it's just pre-programming, you know, and it's still there and it's hard to override that, you know, even like, and when you see a beautiful woman or there's something where it resembles, you know, really wanting to have like a deeper connection, you might freeze up in fear of dot, 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 you know, it's just like a, a knee jerk reaction almost, you know, and then it becomes like little boy Corbin, um, of just, oh, I got, I can't say too much. I can't reveal too much. I got to handle things on my own, you know? Absolutely. And yeah, no, that, and, and it's so common. There's um, a term in psychology. I talk about this often called the familiarity principle. And we are all attracted to what we know that we're familiar with good, bad, or indifferent. And so I think there's something there. I mean, and I think you're kind of saying it out loud and uncovering it as we speak, where when there is someone who simulates the dynamics of your parents, like someone who's a business owner, someone who is a little more guarded and reserved, you know, it's the brain's way of trying to have a corrective experience around that, you know, like in trying to gain the love. Because I was going to ask you, how did you get praise and love growing up? How would you um, receive that? Started playing more sports. That was one way. Uh -huh. um, how else did I get praise and love? Uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, just doing little things that I, I thought that would impress them. Maybe there you go. Yes. Be my thing. I, I did take a liking to building stuff with Legos a lot. So I, I always would show my work with Legos as a kid. So, uh, and I think at least that was something that I could relate to my parents about uh, as far as building stuff, but as far as, you know, but artistically speaking, like I said, that was not really something they could relate too much with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a very common thing. And again, it's not like your, your parents loved you, you know, but like you said, they, they came from their own story. So it's like passing the baton. They only knew what they knew. Yeah. And the baton keeps continuing until you stop passing it on. And that's where we're, where we are. And so like when fast forward, when you think about meeting those kind of successful women or people that you're attracted to and, and you kind of freeze, what, what kind of conversation goes on in your head around that? Like where you, you don't open up and that kind of thing. Like, is there certain statements you say in your head, like I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough, like anything like that. Oh yeah. I'm definitely a masochist. You didn't know. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, um, I for sure go through that all the time. I guess one of those things where I, I kind of struggle with is, um, definitely thinking that I'm not really good enough for the kind of women that I want to date and be attracted to. So, um, so yeah, I, I go through that all the time. I, I always think that, you know, I was never really quite good enough for my parents. So, and they were, you know, successful business owners. Now they have, you know, very successful business now. And, um, and I'm in a place where, um, yeah, I, I still rent 
right? But I also live in Colorado where it's really expensive. So I, I always have to try to remind myself, like I, if I was living anywhere else, I'd be able to afford my own place. But mm -hmm. that being said, you know, like moving on past that is, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like from that childhood, I, I probably don't really feel like that I'm um, up to par for those types of relationships with women uh, or those and those types of women because, yeah, I'm just, I mean, self-explanatory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I want to make a connection for you and then we'll kind of move into, well, you know, what do you do about it kind of thing? Because again, like these are just patterns and it's putting in strategies that break these kind of habits is what, is it, that's all it is. Yeah. But oh, well, I yeah, because I don't want to put a hundred percent out of my parents either. Because they exactly. did, they got they got better as I got older. Um, I remember my mom actually did started try to encourage me to um to do other things. Like she even actually encouraged dancing. Because at one point when Dancing with Stars first started coming on television, like the first season, like I really took a liking to it, and uh, my my mom had suggested that, and I immediately shut it down because I was like, "There's no way I'd get made fun of at school." Because I was already kind of getting made fun of, and I didn't want to make it worse. <laughs> so mm. you know so so school wasn't necessarily helpful either um I, I happen to befriend like the popular kid group but i wasn't really my connection point um but i only did that because at least i shared their same sense of humor <laughs> with them but mm -hmm. i wouldn't have never called them really my true friends because i did i knew that you know they they used to make fun of me all the time because i wasn't really into the sports athletic part of things either um and i knew that if i had done anything like that like taking dance lessons mm. um I wouldn't have grown, I wouldn't have gone through high school with any friends at that point. So I, that was, you know, so I would say for sure the people that I was hanging out with, um, was, would attribute to that kind of, um, way of thinking for me. Yeah, no, that's really important. So not only was this notion of not being good enough growing up, like in the home and again, not intentional, but there was just this, sure. you know, expectation that you put on yourself and they put on you. It's, it's, it's kind of yin and yang, but also, yeah. Like if you were bullied and made fun of. Oh yeah. I had a lot of trouble at school and that was the thing is like, mm -hmm. I, I, there wasn't really anything that I guess my parents could do. I remember that we talked about switching schools for me, but because my brother didn't want to switch schools, then we didn't. So like I said, that was kind of the black sheep. It was basically whatever my brother wanted is how I felt at that time. Right. So um, I had to figure out, I figured I had to figure out how to, um, be on my own. And like I said, that's when I, I actually did, I, I kind of developed really quickly uh, the social skills that I needed to make friends, even if they weren't really friends. Like I had to basically show faith, play face. So I did, I ended up getting along with actually everyone in school, even though I didn't really connect with any of them. I had learned actually how to connect with everyone at school at, of the different crowds, right? You know, dorks, geeks, the popular kids. Because mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I had to do what I had to do to you know, I guess you could say survive because, um, you know, being alone in high school is probably not the best thing for a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. And good for you for leaning into things that could empower you like dance and, and, you know, learning how to get along with different people. It only made you, you know, stronger. Look at you today. I mean, you own a studio and it's amazing, but you know, what's interesting about your story as you're telling it is that I think it feels like you place a lot of your own self-worth and value around what you can do for a woman, what you can do for people, what you can accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. Because right? being someone that doesn't like have kids or family or anything, like I think that's kind of maybe my mind, unconscious mindset is 
-hmm. I want to set my own legacy for when I pass. I, I like the idea that, you know, people will at least somewhat remember me when I, when I'm uh, gone. Cause like I said, I don't have, I don't have that kind of legacy to pass on myself. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think I, I do kind of do that actually. And, and intentionally or unintentionally. Yeah, no. And, and it is, it is good to, to strive for stuff like it, it, and on, honestly, it's where your confidence lives. Right. And I want to tie together actually love and the connection here, because what you learned growing up is that you got love, you got praise for what you accomplished. Right. Like, so if you did something, maybe you would get a pat on the back and good job. And cause there was no other feelings that was really expressed otherwise. Right. right. So then and and then moving forward, even in, in school, you know, if you were bullied or if you were a little different, it, finally, when you like accomplished dance or something that made you feel good again, boom, you were reinforced for that. So do you see how this ties in with, with what you're doing with women now is that in your mind, like you might stop yourself with a woman who you don't feel worthy of? Because you feel like you don't have like enough, enough to offer, you know, but it's all based on what you can do or who you are, you know, in relation to her or you're like thinking so much about that. Uh, I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't have you ever made that connection before? Uh, yeah, actually, I, I, I have. Um, uh -huh. I, I think the way I kind of try to talk myself out of that mentality is I say it's like, well, if I had a teammate, you know, maybe it not might not be that way. Um, but no, I, you know, it's kind of hard not to, uh, at this point, you know, pushing, pushing 40, um, and not still finding really, I mean, I've had a couple, maybe two healthy relationships and beyond that, like I said, every relationship I always realize in hindsight, it's like that probably shouldn't have been a good relationship anyway. So mm. no, I always, so that's why I say like, I think I either a, I, I don't, um, have a lot of enough confidence to keep those types of relationships going. Like I did the last one, I think I did lose my confidence and that's why she lost interest. Um, and then, or I, I go for women that I, I know that's probably not going to work out, uh, cause they're, that's not my type. So, um, cause I don't think that I deserve better. So yeah, yeah, I definitely think that. Well, I want to get rid of that for you. At least start chiseling away. I mean, it's not going to happen overnight, but I think this is kind of key for you because until you kind of get over that, this dynamic is like a broken record. Like it'll keep happening. And so really the whole idea is when you're meeting somebody or when you find that attractive woman, that to not focus on her and to try to mold into something that you think she deserves or if you're good enough, you know, whatever that conversation is and really pull in and be kind of the king and say, hey, I know what I got going on. Who are you? Like, what can you do for me, lady? <laughs> you know, I know that sounds a little bit coy, but it really is about you, Corbin, because the minute that that lips in your mind and you go in with that confidence, everything will start opening up. So I guess my first question is let's get into some tangible stuff where, you know, you can feel like maybe you can even practice this as you're meeting somebody. The first thing is, uh, this is the exercise that I do with a lot of people. And it's very, I mean, simple, but something that I think would be awesome for you to do. And I call it a brag book. 
And okay. every every day, I want you to have a ritual of some sort where you are getting into the mindset of gratitude and positivity and how like friggin' awesome you are. You know, I mean, there was a old Saturday Night Live skit of, I don't know, you, you might be too young, but there was a guy who would looked in the mirror and he said, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people love me, <laughs> you know? And it's almost this way of um, training the brain of focusing on what you are instead of what you're not. And that's going to be a huge flip for you. And there's a lot of studies that show that when you do that, you actually train the brain to think in a more like abundance and positivity. And it, you really can override some of these like negative thoughts and, and what have you. So how I like to start out, there's four categories, okay, that you're going to start writing three things that you love about yourself in these four categories. And you listening, you all can do this as well. It's very simple. First, what do you love about your personality? Second, what do you love about your physical traits? You know, you physically, when you look in the mirror, what's awesome about you? Fourth, your, your, your skills and talents. This could be something like I mean, it could be a sport, athletics. It could be something you're good at at work, like dancing. Um, but it also could be internal, like maybe you're good at decision making or a good listener, that kind of thing. And by the way, there could be crossover between talents and personality. And the fourth, and this is really important for you, what you are good at when you are in a relationship. Like what are you darn good at and bringing to the table when you are in a relationship? And if you notice, these aren't really things about the woman and what you can do. I mean, in the relationship one, yes, but it's really more about your own value and skills that you bring to the table. Yeah. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah. And then what you do is you keep building on it and every day, like wake up and keep adding one thing that you're proud of, one thing in each category to to just say out loud or write in your journal and the more that you do that it it will start training your brain to look at yourself in the mirror in that more positive light like i'd love to hear from you like what what do you love about your personality for instance give me like uh, three things personality i was rather answer that last question about what i can provide to the relationship okay <laughs> Uh, well, of course, because that has to do with the woman. I knew that you were going to start. Well, that. no, not necessarily, actually, because uh, when you're saying all this stuff, I'm like, I kind of been working my way towards doing that. I just haven't actually said it out loud to myself. But OK, do it. Do it. Yeah. I talked to you, you know, last time about going on hiatus and taking up all these hobbies. So, like, for mm -hmm. one, uh, I'm a pretty awesome cook now, so I can do that. Um, <laughs> what, what, uh, what's your specialty? Wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> I think inspiring uh, minds want to know, ladies. Well, actually, I mean everything, actually. But uh, I guess my my big specialty is steaks, uh, which you know you'd be surprised on how differently you can make a steak. It's not really just simply throwing it on the grill. Um, so I, I do watch that, like a lot. Of videos, but, as a uh, guy from Oklahoma, you make it sound so easy, like it's like natural and <laughs> for you. Oh my god, well, that's awesome. You can't be from the Midwest and not learn how to cook a steak. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
um yeah and uh pasta is actually i'm pretty good at pastas too so Ooh. i mean yeah and i love i love my breakfast items so which is the most important meal of the day as they say mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right <laughs> so, i like it what else uh, and, and then uh i'm i'm really good at giving massages from what i've been told in the past so uh yeah so i can do that so actually you know a couple of things i'm confident that um mm-hmm. oh yeah and then um i guess being really like kind of self uh i would say self-sufficient but i i you know i don't need to have someone um to i guess have a conversation with at a party like uh, one of the things that i've realized too like if i'm going out with a girl to some group of friends of hers that i don't know like i don't need to be attached to her i'm pretty good actually about socializing with people i don't know so mm-hmm. that's something else that i've been told that i'm pretty good at um mm-hmm. so yeah those can go on, but as far as a personality thing, like I said, I don't, I don't really know how to answer that one quite yet. See, and it's really interesting. I'm just gonna make an observation about your, um, you know, kind of your strengths. Those are all really valuable, by the way. And I'm sure there's like women salivating right now listening to this, but, um, it's still focused on things that you can do in action, like you know, cooking, massage, socializing, like those are all kind of tasks and action oriented things. And by the way, super valuable. Like I'm not saying that they're not, but what I'd love to like almost challenge you on is to try to think of more. And I would guess that the personality traits are harder for you because those are more inherent, internal, that aren't in action. Like for instance, Corbin, And and I just have gotten to know you only a little bit, but like, you're an amazing listener. You seem to be really caring. You, and you know, like there's a lot of things about you as a person that's so valuable. And I don't know if you're putting enough emphasis on that because again, you've been trained to put value on what you do versus who you are. You see the difference? definitely see the difference i mean i i know i'm a good listener i just overlook that fact a lot right like you probably don't even see that as as a value and i, I don't actually oh my god corbin you have no I just idea think that, that just be a, a common thing for any on any person to really uh work. no no and i and i'm sure everybody's backing me up do you know how hard it is to find someone who actually cares and listens to you like especially there's a lot of women who complain that a lot of men don't. And so again, like, I think you're thinking you're like, I have to shoot for the moon. I have to be like on top of the world and win ballroom dancing. I mean, I'm just exaggerating, but like, I think you're thinking that's what your worth is. And I'm trying to simplify it for you. Like the the things that you're not even seeing as valuable are like amazing. And I think the more you pull in and recognize that, like you'll really see and feel a difference, you know, in the way that you interact with women, because then you'll have that mindset going in. It's like, yeah, I am a good listener. Oh yeah, I do care. Hmm. I, 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 you know, like you do have that reciprocity even in conversation and you have a beautiful flow in the way that you talk to people. I appreciate that. I, I realized when you said that, I was like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. I, uh, like, um, 
if I didn't get valedictorian, I don't think I'd be like good enough. Like that's kind of the mentality I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Well, and by the way, that's what makes you amazing at being a dancer and striving to win. You know what I mean? Like that, it, it, it serves you for sure, like in certain areas. But again, what's hurting you is that you're not even recognizing like the just beautiful aspects of you as a person. It's not what you accomplish. It's you. But again, you're just trying to override some of what you grew up with. And the more you can do that, and it's really that internal validation, you'll see that people will start recognizing that. And as you let these women in to really feel you and to see you and to share these beautiful aspects of you. And so the second assignment that I would say for you to do and practice that will help you deepen connections is to use more story and feelings in your conversation. Like you just had a beautiful story about your upbringing. I mean, it was a little painful, I'm sure, as you were recalling it. But oh, my God, like that window into just who you are was beautiful. And you just said this out loud on a podcast, you know, and (laughs) so imagine doing that. Not that you, again, we're not pouring our heart out and talking about our past on our first interaction, but it's just like little snippets and stories and how things make you feel when you're first getting to know a woman, like your passions, things that excite you, things that you're noticing about the woman. Say out loud. That is the way to our heart. We we connect on an emotional level more than men. So when you actually tap into our language, it's like magic. We'll definitely keep that on mind. I, yeah, I never really thought about that as far as a conversation piece. Um, yeah, because I realized actually the reason why I um, I push myself so hard, and I'm sure there's a lot of other ballroom dancers. It's the kind of the same thing. They probably do something similar where mm. we love this sport um, because it constantly reminds us of how much we need to continue improving to get better and be the best that we can at this, um, rather than settling on. Oh, well, I've gotten to a point in my career where I feel like I'm good where I'm at and then not continuing our education. Um, yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. honestly, biggest driving force for why I do this particular, because it is not a, it's not an easy, not an easy sport, especially when you're yeah talking about coordination with a, another per- person. Um, yeah. yeah. So I realized I could start that as a conversation piece to kind of build on your example there, uh, using a, a little snippet from my past history that, tells that story of why I do what I do. I was just going to say like the dance is such a beautiful way to connect. I normally don't have people talk about what they do for a living, especially if they're a lawyer or an IT or an accountant. Okay. But you are not. (laughs) So dance is, is one of those exceptions where it's not about like the work aspect or how you built your business. Cause that would be boring, but the, the hero's journey and the passion behind what got you into dance and then asking the woman if she enjoys dancing and what her story is around dancing, you know, like it's connecting through story. And when you do that, because even as you were recalling some of your stories, there were more emotion behind it rather than, hi, I'm Corbin, you know, like how long have you lived here for? It, it it's it's that linear like factual conversation that is very disconnected and guarded. 
and in that respect, yeah, I think that would help me be more comfortable. Because honestly, I really don't talk about that stuff too. Because I mean, sure, it might be sad for me, but it's a first world problem. If you ask me, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. First, I look back, I'm like, oh, uh, you know, yeah, it was, you know, it was something I had to get through. But I would like, I never always put it, put it uh, down, like meaning like I didn't think that it it should be a big deal because. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's a lot bigger problems going on in the world, so I always just kind of made my problems at the bottom of the totem pole, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, see, and that's the theme with you. Like, you you keep not putting yourself in importance. And again, that was just a message that you got growing up. You know, sure. you just kind of, you know, deal with things yourself, and you were punished if you made too big a deal of anything, right? So... It's just overriding that and knowing that you are important. Everything that you say, women are interested in. It's the opposite of what you're thinking. Like in your efforts to not like talk too much or make waves or, or try to inflate, you know, yourself, you're actually causing a disconnection and, and a lack of an emotional connection with it. So yeah. it's the opposite of what you you think. You know, and so, um, for instance, you want to play a little game really quickly before we end? Sure. Just... I like games. Okay, good. Uh, don't we all see? And this is so much more fun when you're on a date than just being so reserved and like linear. I'm going to call out, uh, just a subject. And I want you to tell me a story about something that happened to you based on that subject. Okay. Just like a little snippet and try to and the only rule here is that it has to happen to you. Like it can't be something that you heard about or like your friend told you. Okay. Got okay. it. Okay. Um, ice cream. Tell me a story about ice cream. Ice cream. Think about that. Um, okay. Yeah. So there's a place in, um, well, there's a, there's a chain, but it's mostly isolated in Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas, I think. Uh, Brahms, uh, for any listeners on here, they'll probably immediately uh, perk up. So Brahms is like the best place for ice cream, at least like in, for us in Oklahoma, because they do. They It's a local cattle farm um, and that they 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 do their own ice cream and uh, their own meat. So but anyways, uh, one of the places that we used to always get excited about going to was Brahms. So. It was always a treat for uh, for my brother and I, and I would always order the same thing, no matter how much people wanted me to try to order, try something else. I would always do the uh, the uh, brownie fudge sundae. Mm. Uh, yeah, with a little caramel sauce. I had to do the little pecans on top. Can't do it without that. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, and the whipped cream and the, the, the cherry on top, the, the maraschino cherry, the, yeah. So, yeah, every time. Awesome. So. Um, I know that in that today, I don't really like it, but I still do it just because of the nostalgia. Ah, <laughs> good. I love the way you brought that home in the story. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> awesome. Corbin, you're a great storyteller. Like that is an example of vulnerability. See, people don't think that necessarily, but that was just a window into your childhood and just like a cute little story about something that you have a fond memory of that connects to something to this day like you it still brings back those yeah, fond day, i think i love brownies just because of that like i yeah I do, yeah that's my go-to dessert so that's how you bring it home and that's how you also instill 
um, emotion into your conversation. So that very last part, because up until then you, you were more descriptive and it was great, but I want to know how you feel about that ice cream and what context it has for you. So you did that. You're saying, and to this day, I love brownies because of that. And it's a big passion of mine. And so can you imagine like talking about that on a date? And then now you guys are sharing just like passions and super sensual and sexy, by the way, like that's just fun conversation that can add and build that emotional intimacy in a conversation. I will have to remember that. I'll have to do that in my sexy voice though. Yeah, you know, well, I don't think you have to try too hardcore. <laughs> just just talk, just, just keep talking and you'll be fine. <laughs> well, I gosh, I'm so thrilled you came on. I how do you feel? Like how was that for you? Oh like I said I feel good about it. I really appreciate uh yeah, I mean I really like the conversations uh that I can have with you for on these sessions. So um yeah, I mean, I kind of treat it like a therapy session, but uh, it's more than that. Uh, like I said, it's more, more geared towards like, like uh, that's what you do for dating, which I have definitely, that's what I definitely need. And I appreciate it. So this is, this is awesome. Oh, you're so welcome. What is like um a gold nugget or like a hot, like a takeaway that you have that you're going to like kind of walk away with? Uh. Honestly, like the big one, like we just discussed, is probably not downplaying um, the, I would say traumatization, but the traumatization, I guess you could say, of my childhood and and actually not being afraid to tell stories. Because I have always been afraid to tell stories about myself because I do. I think I'm boring or I think that it's not, uh, yeah, a huge problem or big enough problem to even actually bring up, I guess, if that makes mm. sense. So, mm, I'm but yeah, so... no, I I could at least use some of that to tell stories better. Absolutely. And remember, it's like these little kind of small, tangible exercises can add up to the bigger win overall. And slowly you'll see how you'll get more comfortable opening yourself up around women, even ones that you're attracted to. So Corbin, thank you so much for coming on and being vulnerable right here on the episode. Thank you for having me. And thank you for joining me today. You listening. This has been the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, of course, Kimmy Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And make sure you go to my site, KimmySeltzer.com. And if you have a hard time progressing on dates or in relationships and are finding emotional intimacy a little bit difficult, just like Corbin does, click the link you see in the show notes and just book a private call with me to help you. Remember, it just, it starts with you. It starts with hopping on a call and working on you is working on your dating life. That's all for now. 